Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. This week, I'm excited to be able to share a conversation that I had with Rory Vaden, author of Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. And this conversation actually took place a couple years ago when he released his book. And I want to share it with you because it's very pertinent and still very applicable for what we're talking about on this podcast, obviously, with productivity as our main focus. And one of the things that gets tossed around is the idea of procrastination. And this book takes a different look at procrastination and what time management actually is. And he makes an awesome statement that says, everything you know about time management is wrong. And that really stuck out to me at the time. And it still sticks out to me and has made me rethink what time management actually is and what it means for me and how we can be able to use it. And so I want to be able to share this conversation with you about him. As we get into the conversation, we kind of talk about a couple different uh, things that are semi-tangentially related to help get us into the conversation of the concept that is in his book. And so we talk about great service, talk about getting out of debt. um, And so some of those different things there that really helps. But we look at types of procrastination, then we get into the fact that time management is emotional and it's not just logical as a lot of people tend to think. And so some different philosophies and things that come around time management, the way people think about time management and uh, and different things like that. And so we're going to talk about some of those different things there. And then we're also going to be looking at the focus funnel. And it'll be very interesting to be able to go through this. And there's a lot of different things that we can be able to do to um, be able to make this better. And so I'm hoping actually in the future to be able to bring Rory Vaden back on to be able to get an update on his perspective with this book now that it's been several years since publishing it and see if he's been able to get any new insights and things like that but that is for a future episode so right now let's jump into this conversation that i had with rory vaden all right well i'm excited today to be able to bring an exciting interview from rory vaden and so he's a graduate from the university of denver he's the co-founder of southwestern consulting he's a top performing uh, speaker from uh, Toastmasters World Championship of Speaking several years ago. He's the best-selling author of two different books, and he also shares a birthday with Kevin Spacey and Sandra Bullock. (laughs) And so above all, he's a fantastic husband. And so uh, before we kind of dive in a little bit more, I definitely want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, Josh, thank you for having me. And I have to say, this is this is so cool because you sent me in the mail, unbeknownst to me anonymously, uh, you know, this boom stand for my microphone, which I've been using like crazy, and I had no idea who it was from. And so it's so good to uh, to, to talk to you. Yeah, def- definitely glad I could be able to help with that. And so, I mean, you've definitely been a great inspiration and a help to me. So I just thought I'd try to do something 
a little bit to kind of help you. And so uh, the, the reason I actually did that was I was listening to one of your podcasts mm-hmm. and you happened to mention that your microphone was stand, sitting on top of a couple books. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you kind of use that to say that you got some of the early copies of um, the book that we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, but, 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 and so I, I, and so I understood that part, but then that got me thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe I can send them a boom arm that can be able to kind of help. Cause I understand the, uh, complexities of trying to get the mic into the right place and and things like that and getting it out well, of the I, way. I love that. That's uh, I have a good friend named John DeJulius who is an author and speaker and his he's got a book called What's the Secret and he talks about that great service. A secret service is providing something that is so hyper specific to one person. Uh, you know, it's not giving out a rose to everybody who walks in your store or something, but it's doing something hyper specific to that person that would be very unexpected. And so this was, I'll have to tell John that this is one of the best examples of it where you're, you're listening to the podcast and then it occurs to you and then you actually do it. So, uh, kudos. That's, that's really awesome. Just a quick story as we get started with this here for years, my wife has had a fascination with firefighters. Um, I, I don't know if it's their, their physique or their courage or, or whatever. And so because of that, I've had a desire at least a little bit to become a firefighter. Um, but in light of your new book, um, I don't think a firefighter is the ideal career path. Mm. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more about that a little bit later in this interview, hopefully. And so, um, but before we dive into the actual concepts of your book, um, I've heard you allude to your matchmaking abilities when you were young um, and uh, concerning w- with your mother, you, you talk about that you're uh, you grew up with a, a single single mom and uh, and then then later she remarried and you were kind of involved in that. Um, would you care to be able to elaborate on any of that for us? Well, yeah, it's a kind of a funny story because I, I, I mean, when I was five years old, my mom put me in martial arts and, um, you know, it was a single mother. And I remember uh, sometime around the time I was like seven years old, um, I was driving in the car with her. And I remember the day because for, for two reasons. Number one was because it was my very first day at a new Shaolin Kung Fu Center. And it was an all-adult school that I was going to. And so I was a little nervous because I was a, you know, the only kid. Uh, but they let me in. And, and I was, uh, so we were going to that. But then the other reason I remember is because of the topic of conversation. And so I asked my mom, uh, I said, Mom, do I have a dad? And as you might imagine, that's a pretty tricky question for a single mom to navigate, you know, with mm-hmm. a seven-year-old. And and so I asked her that question, and she was telling me, well, you know, she, it was the first time she told me her whole life story. And my mom, um, my mom uh, got pregnant, had my brother when she was seventeen years old, and then she had me when I uh, she was twenty-two. And so by the time you know she was twenty-four years old, she was div- she had been divorced twice. Uh, and was a single mom of two kids, and so you know we had we had some pretty um, you know could have could have had some really rough times growing up, and and we didn't have a lot, but you know she said, well we're always going to have love, and I just haven't had much love love with, luck with men, and so it's just going to be the three of us, me and you and your brother, and I said, well that's great, mom, I I love our family, I do, but I said, don't you think it would be cool to have a dad? I think it would be so cool to have a dad. And she said, uh, she said, well, Rory, if, if you want to find, a, like, if you want a dad, then you need to go out and find yourself a good dad. 
and looking back on it, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go find yourself a dad. Um, so anyways, I, I, I remember going to the, that first day at the Kung Fu Center. There was another gentleman that was there, and it was his first day. Uh, and he was much older than I am. It was adult school. And he, this guy had long hair and tattoos and leather. Like, he was a biker, motorcycle guy. And, and anyways, this guy is going to be my, my sparring partner. And he's about the scariest dude that you can imagine if you're seven. Uh, but since it's our first day, we get paired up together. Well, it turns out he's a real nice guy. His name's Kevin. And, and so uh, we start advancing through the belts together. And then our classes get later and later at night. And then before I know it, um, my mom couldn't pick me up uh, because she was working two jobs. And so, you know, I getting out of class at like 1130 at night. Uh, so Kevin started bringing me home. Well, then he started coming over on the weekends and we would kind of practice forms and every once in a while catch a movie. And then one time my mom came with us to a movie. And I'll never forget the first time they went to a movie without me. I was so mad the first time, Josh. I was like, wait, what? This is my friend. Um, and the, uh, of course, I realized, you know, a little while later what was happening. And, and um, Kevin and I ended up, um, they, Kevin and I ended up testing for our black belt together on the same day when I was 10 years old. And then what happened is uh, they got married a couple weeks after that. And a, a few years later, Kevin adopted me. I changed my last name from Rory McLaughlin to Rory Vaden, and they've been married for over 20 years ever since. And um, the the, uh, uh, the one of the, the core concepts of the new book is captured very well by that story, which is does you can delegate anything. Uh, you can delegate anything. It's so, uh, anyways, that's how I introduced them and, and they're still together and it's, you know, that's a true story. Awesome. I, I think you should sell those rights to uh, Disney and get a movie made of that. That'd be pretty cool. Something that, that I've heard you talk about and, um, I think it's a very important thing when we look about trying to, um, multiply time, which we'll talk a little bit more about that concept, um, and that is getting out of debt. Um, mm. I know that you had um, some debt struggles um, years ago. And uh, so would you like to share a little bit about that and maybe some of the lessons that you learned and um, things that you like to help other people out with regarding <laughs> that? Yeah, sure. I would love to talk about the most painful period of my life, and all, the mis- <laughs> all the mistakes I've made. Let's start with that. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I had, you know, there was a time where I, I had about $50,000 in, in personal debt. Um, and that, that was how I actually came to know Dave Ramsey. And, you know, ever since I've developed a little bit of a relationship with Dave and he and his team certainly have been super supportive of, of us. But, um, you know, I think being out of debt is a huge multiplier and, and people don't realize how impactful it is because, um, when you're debt free, it allows you to do what you want to do and not as much what you have to do. Mm-hmm. When when you're in debt, uh, I'm a big proponent of you have to do whatever you have to do and uh, to get yourself out of debt. But then once you're out of debt, particularly once once you you know you have a three to six month emergency fund, as Dave uh, Ramsey would call it, and and you know once you pay your house off, your whole life changes. Um, and then at that point, you, you so so getting debt free is much more about 
it's it has much more to do with just freeing yourself from financial worry. It frees you up to do whatever it is that brings you passion in life, and that's a huge moment. And I think people people massively underestimate the impact of of doing that. And uh, so, being debt free is one of the the most important and significant transformations that anybody can make. And you know, for that reason, I I really recently said that Total Money Makeover. Uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, one of Dave Ramsey's books is was one of the one of the top three most impactful books in my life, and I've read I've read hundreds of books. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. My wife were on a similar journey uh, years ago. We got rid of um, all of our debt except for our house, and we're um, working like crazy to pay the house off. Hopefully, um, be able to get that done in less than two years now. That's um, great. And so, definitely excited for the freedom that that's going to allow us. And so uh, now as we turn to um, some of the things in the book, I love the way that you open the book. In the very first chapter, the first sentence there is everything you know about time management is wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's where all the um, productivity people um, turn their phones off. (laughs) But but no, I I love that statement. Um, And and the reason I love it is because of the story behind it. Can you kind of share the journey that you had that brought you to that conclusion? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of stories uh, about it, but um, you know, when we wrote "Take the Stairs," uh, that was our first book. Uh, you know, the book was um, all about overcoming procrastination and improving self discipline and helping people do the things they know they should be doing, even when they don't feel like doing them. And uh, in the book, we talk about in "Take the Stairs," uh, we talk about three different types of procrastination. Um, we talk about classic procrastination, which is consciously delaying what you know you should be doing, and that's what we all think of when we hear the word. Uh, but and then we talk about creative avoidance, which is basically creating stuff for yourself to do so you can avoid doing the thing you really need to do, but you don't feel like doing. Um, and and take the stairs was really all about how to kind of get past those two those two key you know hangups. But we also mentioned a new type of procrastination that we were seeing at, in our clients. At Southwestern Consulting. So our company, Southwestern Consulting, we have about 95 full-time team members, and we have over 900 active coaching clients right now. And um, we, you know, we do mostly sales and uh, sales leadership coaching and executive coaching. We do work with entrepreneurs, uh, but it's mostly salespeople. And, and so when we started coaching the sales managers, uh, we coined this new phrase that we call priority dilution. And priority dilution is different from the first two because it has nothing to do with being lazy, apathetic, or disengaged. Um, it actually affects the chronic overachievers. What happens, though, is as you become more successful, you have more and more things coming to you for attention, more people to take care of, more responsibilities, more, more moving pieces of your business, and your priorities naturally start to dilute. And and so every piece of media attention that we got, every major media appearance we had when the Take the Stairs book came out three years ago was really about that concept, priority dilution. And so we we realized that we hit a hot button there um, inadvertently that really struck a chord. And so that's what we said, you know what, the next book has got to be about that issue. And so that launched us into a more in-depth research with our clients and and some statistical sampling and uh, you know, kind of academic uh, research and, you know, just the whole process over the last three years. And so Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time, uh, the new book is basically just the, the byproduct of that. 
now one thing I do want you to share, um, and I I heard you share this before, and it's uh, almost brought me to tears because I fully understand uh, the the power behind this, um, and that is one of your business partners, Dustin, um, at. Uh, had had a daughter, and she taught you a very important lesson that she did. Um, that that really ties into uh, the the core of the book. Can you go ahead and share that story for us? Yeah. So the way that it happened, Josh, is it was a Saturday morning. Uh, it was a we. It was a our international leadership retreat for Southwestern Consulting. So we have people flying in from all around the world, and I'm over at Dustin's house. You know, pick him up. We're going over to the meeting, and his little two year old baby girl Haven um, who's just the most adorable little thing you've ever seen and she has curly little brown hair kind of curly Q hair and like uh, you know big brown eyes and just a, almost a little a- southern accent already starting to develop and, and we're leaving and she comes sprinting down the hallway and she grabs onto Dustin and she's like daddy where are you going where are you going and he says oh well I'm sorry baby Haven daddy actually has to go to work today and she looks up at him and her eyes well up with tears. And she says, no, daddy, no work, no work today, daddy, please, no. And in that moment, Josh, I, I realized two things. The first is that I'm not quite ready to have kids just yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then the second, though, the second is that Everything that you read about today in time management, the reason why we, one of the reasons why we say everything is wrong is everything is uh, logical. Everything you read about time management is tips and tricks, tools and technology, calendars and checklists, uh, apps and all that kind of stuff. And yet in that moment, you know, when I'm looking at Haven, it occurs to me that today time management isn't just logical, it's emotional. And how we choose to spend our time has as much to do with feelings of guilt and anxiety and worry and stress and the desire to feel important and the desire to feel successful um, and the desire to feel included as, as it does with anything. And yet nobody ever talks about the emotional side of productivity and time management. And so we realize that that is a big element that's different in the world today. And, and that's where the subtitle, so procrastinate on purpose is the title, but the subtitle five permissions to multiply your time. That is where the subtitle really comes from. And so, uh, you know, that, that is, there, there, there's, I would say there's two main distinctions for how this book will be radically different from anything you've ever read uh, in, in the area of productivity or time management. And the first one is that time management isn't just logical, it's emotional. Yeah, I absolutely love that story. Um, and, and that ties in to uh, one of the uh, things that you really bring out in this is that um, a lot of the um, mainstream productivity things that are out there, uh, you talk about are two-dimensional, um, but that that extra element there can bring in that third dimension. Uh, can you just uh, quickly kind of summarize that and let us know what that third dimension is? Yeah, absolutely, Josh. So I'm glad that you asked me that because we talk in the book about the three eras of time management thinking. Uh, one-dimensional thinking and era one thinking was very one-dimensional. It was all about managing your time uh, to fit more in by working efficiently. 
and the the idea was let's do things faster. If I could do things faster, uh, then you know I could fit more in. Well, in the late '80s. Uh, a new era entered in what we call era two time management thinking, and it's it's two dimensional thinking. It's about prioritizing your time, and and we really pay a lot of respect and homage to the late great Dr. Stephen Covey, um, and and obviously this seminal work that changed the world, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he introduced uh, the time management matrix and and gave us a two dimensional way to evaluate our tasks, which was. Basically, the y-axis was importance and the x-axis was urgency. And basically, he kind of gave us for the first time a system for scoring and weighting our various tasks. And then based on the way they kind of scored, we could prioritize them. And for the last 25 years, uh, that has been the, the pervasive mode of thinking as it relates to productivity. Um which is great, and 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 efficiency is all things being equal. Efficiency is good, and uh, priority is prioritizing is also still a good and relevant skill. But there is a limitation to both of those eras of thinking. Uh, the limitation to efficiency thinking is that there's you can only move so fast, and there's always going to be more to do than you can ever get to. That's perfectly evidenced by the fact that we all carry around small computers in our pockets, and yet we never seem to be caught up. We always are falling behind. And um, so then the limitation with prioritizing, and it took me a long time to realize this, is there's nothing about prioritizing that creates more time. All prioritizing does is take item number seven on your to-do list and bump it up to number one. And it's valuable, right? It's valuable to learn how to focus first on what matters most. You still need to know how to do that. But it it doesn't create more time. Prioritizing is more like borrowing time from one area of your life to focus in on another. And that's a game changer. So era three time management thinking is what we started to notice that was an an emergence of, of the subconscious thinking of multipliers, the world's top performers. And they don't just make calculations based on importance or urgency, but they make a third calculation that they didn't realize they were making, but we started to notice this and then we were able to kind of articulate it. It's not just importance or urgency, but significance. So significance becomes the Z-axis. It creates three-dimensional thinking. It creates a a cube and what we call the significance cube. And so what significance is, if importance is how much does something matter and urgency is how soon does something matter, then significance is how long does something matter. And that changes everything because it forces us to get outside of the paradigm of only thinking about today. Um, most of us are, are inappropriately overweighting the urgency calculation, and so we're f- we're you know frantically checking email all, all day long, and we're always falling victim to latest and loudest, and we're poured we're pulled away from long term strategic things because we're putting out short term fires. Well, multipliers don't do that as much. They make they they make a heavier weight on the significance calculation. Um, and so that brings you to multiplying your time. So if era one was about managing your time by doing things efficiently and era two was prioritizing your time by focusing first on what matters most, then era three is about multiplying your time. And the way that you multiply your time is by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. That's the significance calculation is the permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. And significance changes everything.
Absolutely fantastic. I know we're running uh, uh, close on time here, um, but would you be willing to share maybe a couple personal examples of how you have learned to uh, multiply your time, especially um, through the writing process? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, y- you know, one of the key insights for me, um, the, the rest of the book, you know, so far we've kind of covered some of the psychology. The rest of the book does an overview of what we call the focus funnel, which is meant to be a visual depiction that captures the thought process that multipliers go through unconsciously when they are evaluating their decisions about how to choose, uh, how to spend their time. And the second one, they're eliminate, automate, delegate, concentrate, and then procrastinate on a surface, which I know the title of the book comes from. But the automate, the second part of the focus, focus funnel was a huge, 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 huge moment for me in my life. My life. Uh, and then automate is is, is anything you, you create a process, process for, today for today saves you, saves time, you tomorrow. time tomorrow. So that's an that's example, an example of, of uh, giving, uh, giving yourself your permission, permission to invest time, time, time and energy and money into a pro- into setting up a process today so it gives you more time tomorrow. Well, less the significance calculation, you will never make that choice because it's always faster to just do it than it is to set up a system to do it for you. And that's why the significance calculation matters so much and it's such a radically different different way of thinking uh, by the world's ultra performers. And so then what that what that brings us to for me was uh, we needed a, a new we need to get our, our our email marketing and our CRM system under control. And we ended up using a system called Infusionsoft. And uh, Infusionsoft changed our whole our whole world. Um, because and it took me basically six months where I basically did nothing for six months except learn about Infusionsoft and start building it out and customizing it for our company. Um, but it's Infusionsoft is a three parts. It does CRM, your contact management, email marketing, and then your online shopping cart and it integrates it all into one and empowers you to create this incredible automation in your business. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, and yet it, it's, it's, it's you don't have to be a computer programmer to do it, but it gives you enough flexibility that you can completely customize the whole thing for your business, uh, and it's built for small business owners. And so, anyways, you know, we had something like I don't know, maybe thirty-five people uh, on our team at the time. Spent six months since building that, and then within a year, our team basically doubled, um, our revenue doubled, and our our profits quadrupled. Um, because we gave ourselves the permission to to invest the time to set this up. Now, now so many of our processes are completely automated. And a big realization for me, Josh, was that um, automation is to your time exactly what compounding interest is to your money. And so the way that wealthy people think about money is is the way that a multiplier thinks about time. And uh, and so that was a game changer. And so if if you are a small business owner and you're you're you know thinking about you want you're looking for a system like that, if you go to swccrm.com, so SWC like Southwestern Consulting, and then CRM like uh, Contact Relationship Management, swccrm.com, uh, th- it'll forward you to a place where you can get some information from us for free on Infusionsoft. Um, and you can check that out. But that was that was a huge that was a huge place that was a huge growth uh, area for us. 
Uh, I definitely appreciate you sharing that with us, um, and I appreciate you taking the time today to be able to uh, spread your message um, and even kind of give a little bit more about your background uh, to be able to really set the stage for um, uh, for the whole process. And so I would highly recommend for people to go and get a copy of this book or even multiple copies and give it out. Um, and so uh, definitely do that. So can you uh, – just kind of close it up and kind of let everybody know where they can be able to get a hold of you and get a hold of the book. Absolutely. And actually what I would say, Josh, is, is uh, go to procrastinateonpurpose.com and we have a free one-hour webinar there. It's completely free. Um, it's available to you. You can see the Focus Funnel. I talk you through the whole methodology. Uh, you can start getting introduced to it and, and see how it likes. And some of it's radical, and that's why we did the webinar, because this stuff is very different. Uh, but the world has changed you know, a lot in the last 25 years. I mean, 25 years ago, we didn't have social media and internet and cell phones. I mean, so it's time for a new, a new paradigm. The next level of results requires the next level of thinking. And so uh, go to procrastinateonpurpose.com. You can watch the free one-hour webinar, and then there'll be a link there to where you can get a special offer if you do decide to buy um, uh, either one of our, our books. And um, and then, you know, I just really appreciate you having me, Josh. And, and the last thing I would just say is remember, no matter who you are, success is never owned. It is only rented, and the rent is due every day. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments, or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.